0: You're listening to a podcast from BJSM.
1: Welcome to the BJSM podcast. My name is Hans Toll, one of the senior associate editors of the BJSM. In this podcast, we will have Gino Kerkos, who is an orthopedic surgeon from Holland. Gino has got a strong background in research on acute ankle injuries. And besides that, huge experience with treating high-level international athletes, especially football players. Gino, welcome to the BJSM podcast.
0: Thank you very much, Hans. It's a pleasure, and uh, thank you for the very kind introduction.
1: Gino, let's start with your paper, in, which will be published in the September issue of the BGSM 2012. Your group presents an evidence-based clinical guideline on acute ankle injuries, and I think your group did a great, great job. Can you please explain what is the target group of your clinical guideline?
0: Yeah. When we start with uh, the the last uh, 15 years, I think uh, also when you were here as well, we did a lot of research on the, on the ankle ligaments, on the uh, lateral ankle ligaments, and we thought it would be time to uh, not only write papers and uh, do research for orthopedic searches, but also for a broader public. And uh, in this guideline, it was uh, meant for basically all care providers who are involved in the treatment and guidance of the patients with the ankle injury. So, family physicians, uh, physical therapists, uh, surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, rehab physicians, radiologists, occupational physicians, uh, sports medicine uh, physicians, and all professionals, actually, uh, involved in sports massage, as well as for the patients. So uh, what we did was get a multidisciplinary team together, including uh, a patient as well, Um, and including all these uh, different groups that we meant uh, to reach with the the guideline. The whole uh, guideline committee uh, consisted of 16 people from all these groups.
1: Okay, and your paper focused on risk factors, diagnosis, and treatment. And when we start with the risk factors, as we all know, some athletes seem to be more prone to ankle injuries. Can you give a comment on these possible risk factors in athletes and non-athletes?
0: To start with the, the general patient, we have four intrinsic risk factors that came out of the literature that would be important. That is, the, first, the muscle strength of uh, the lower leg in particular, the proprioception and balance, and uh, the range of motion, as in the limited dorsal flexion. So uh, the acute lateral ankle ligament lesions, they could also be a predisposal of the patient through a loss of balance or through a limited dorsal flexion. So quite some intrinsic risk factors that could, at least in the general population of athletes, predispose the patient for an acute lateral ankle ligament injury. Extrinsic risk factors also uh, looked at sport type like aero bowl, ball climbing, yeah. indoor volleyball, basketball, and quite uh, a number of field sports like field hockey and, and uh, obviously football, have a much higher incidence of uh, acute lateral ankle injuries when compared to different types of sports. If you look into the, the, the field sports, for example, then you'll see that in football, the artificial turf also seems to have an extra increase in incidence of the acute lateral ankle injuries as well. There's uh, all level two evidence. Um, the intrinsic risk factors that range is all about level three evidence. So there's quite some evidence out there that we have uh, important risk Mm -hmm. factors, but it's all evidence for the general athletes. I think if you both uh, look at our uh, professional athletes, then I think uh, we'll recognize the the sport types with a higher incidence of uh, acute uh, lateral ankle injuries for the professional athletes as well. And it's more difficult to come up with intrinsic risk factors in a professional athlete because I think they're all uh, presumably have a good balance, all have a good sepsis and a good uh, strength of the lower leg muscles. Indeed, when I see a professional athlete that has some problems with giving way or with the ankle in, in total, I think these factors are very uh, important and interesting to have a look at when you do your physical because when you do find a uh, a difference in balance between the left and right leg and there is a limited dorsal flexion and there is some uh, strength loss then you, uh, you know, can explain this as a being a risk factor for an acute ankle lesion in general as well as an acute lateral ankle ligament injury
1: so you showed us that there has been a lot of research focused on risk factors but and when they come to diagnosis, uh, one of your major findings in the paper is that there's only level four evidence for the use of MRI. Yeah. And that was quite surprising for me. And when you look in your daily practice, do you also withdraw from MRI and do you fully trust on your physical exam, so it's, which is described in your paper, or is there probably still a place for MRI for diagnosing acute ankle injuries?
0: Yeah. I think that. Uh a tricky question to answer, if we have uh, the general population, I think this will be yeah. kind of a a, a cost effect of this question as well, and we'll always stick uh, to the delayed physical examination have a look at the hematoma pain on palpation uh, anterior drawer test these things uh, after five to seven days after the injury, and then make the diagnosis uh either rupture or no rupture in the uh, High-level athlete. It's shown that the last, at least the last five years, it seems no longer acceptable to just get your diagnosis from a good uh, patient history, from a good trauma mechanism and a f- uh, physical examination. And we will make an MRI when in doubt on the osseous uh, components. Maybe even also a CT scan. But for the lateral ligament injury in itself, you wouldn't really need an MRI yet because we don't really know how an acute grade 3 injury looks on the MRI. I do think the MRI has its function in any uh, high-level athlete in the acute phase just to rule out other uh, intra-articular pathology and to be sure of your diagnosis. This would go also for the other athletes, but I think it would be a bit too cautious to do it for everybody. So start with higher-level athletes. I think in the future, the role of MRI in the diagnosis of a, a, a ligament injury in the ankle, hence on the, on the lateral or on the medial side, will be uh, much bigger. And There's research going on now, also combining some research with London, to get the MRI and even the ultrasound more on the map and to see what. Uh, evidence you should look for in the MRI, and not only look at the edema or the hematoma, but also to pinpoint the different uh, ligaments better than we're able to do now. I think the role of MRI now for high-level athletes uh, lies in particular in ruling out concomitant injuries, uh, intra pathology that goes with the lateral like, ankle ligament injuries, uh, we're working on uh, sensitivity and specificity of the MRI for the uh, injury, the ligament injury in itself
1: So we all have to be aware that even in high-level athletes when we choose for MRI That's only based on level 4
0: evidence Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, in yeah. daily practice now and then we choose for MRI and as you know a Substantial part of the athletes they will have severe bone bruises of the tail or dome and even now and then we see uh, some cartilage damage and regarding MRI, uh, two questions. Might the extent of bone bruise be correlated with the duration to return su- to sports? And if we see on MRI a cartilage defect, a small or second cartilage defect, would that change your therapy in the initial phase? Is functional treatment enough or are you more aggressive?
0: I think... Uh when you have evidence of an osteochondral defect that's displaced uh, and it looks acute, by seeing some liquid in the fracture line that goes into the talar body, you could argue to do a scope and to fixate the osteochondral defect straight away in the acute phase and do the lateral ankle ligament injury at the same time. That will be an option. I think the, the first part of the question. I think yes you do uh i have a, a, a big point there because if you you do make the mri after an inversion injury that gets into a, a lateral ankle injury grade 2 or 3 there's so much uh, velocity involved there that there will be bone bruises uh, most likely in the, at the anteromedial side of the tibia and also on the, on the tailor side i i'm not really sure what the extent of only edema, bony edema, means for your full rehab. I tend to wait for another five days and to look at the patient again clinically and see how it goes. If there's a tremendous amount of burning edema, but that is like level five evidence, then we will be going for a period on uh, crutches with non-weight bearing on that side or partial weight bearing just to give the cartilage and subcarnal bone a little time to uh, restore itself and in some cases we have made an MRI five to seven days after this initial MRI and they can see that the uh, boning edema in, in such a case gets less quite fast on the other hand if you make uh, an MRI in any professional athlete that is involved with jumping or, or running there will always be boning edema so it's, it's a very interesting question. It was kind of hard to give a good answer to that. We, we had this uh, Congress of the SKAFAs uh, in, uh, in Moscow this year, and we discussed this this meaning of the bony edema after uh, inversion injuries. One of the Italian guys he, he went through all the literature. We had a consensus meeting as well, and there's not a lot of evidence around.
1: We still have got difficulties with the MRI, and I think MRI can make our life more more difficult. And what I liked about the paper is that you diagnose and treat them in a very simple way, and your diagnosis is made on physical examination after four to five days, and then you come up with a very easy and functional treatment, and yep. in your paper, functional treatment is almost the gold standard. And what would you consider as functional treatment? Uh, would you prefer tape? Would you prefer bracing? How long will your exercise therapy last? Can you give a little bit more comments on the content of your functional treatment?
0: Yes, of course. Um, I think we use quite an old fashioned definition of the functional treatment uh, that we used for the first uh, Cochrane reviews on this team uh, back in uh, 2002 and it goes along the lines of an early mobilization program with some kind of defined exercise, propriocepsis, and or balance components in the program with the use of an external support. That could be brace or tape. To start with a tape bandage for the elite athletes, Uh, for the top level athletes, it's possible to change the tape on on a very regular basis, for example, each half in a football match, and the tape will fit better around the foot and ankles, especially, as you mentioned already, in football shoes compared to any brace that was designed so far i think for elite athletes in other sports like basketball or volleyball or even tennis i suppose the use of an ankle brace is, is a little bit more common because it's, it's an easy thing and it fits uh, well in these type of shoes of the tape bandage i think we know from evidence in literature that it gives more skin irritation than any type of brace that that's something that's uh, on the downside of the tape bandage well, we also know from research that uh, came from the Rosenbaum uh, group in Munster um, that the actual biomechanical support of a tape bandage wears off quite quite fast. After ample time, you have uh, less biomechanical support. So the ankle braces they have been going through different design phases. Are fit for the job in in, in quite a number of sports with good proprioceptive function, good biomechanical support. Uh, But there's still a a big challenge in in designing a brace that fits smoother and gives better support without getting too rigid. That's always a bit of the downside. And it would be very interesting to collaborate on a a project like that for uh, designing a better brace, especially in football. I think the goal would be to to design a brace type that is uh, both suitable for prevention as well as treatment, has a good proprioceptive function, and does enough biomechanically as in covering for the damaged ligaments. Going from there, when it's suitable for the high-level athletes in any sport, then it will be suitable for all amateur athletes, as well as for the elderly walking in the streets. For now, I would stick to the tape for the football players and the brace for a lot of the rest of the sports, even in the high-level athletes. And it's a very personal thing. Players mostly tell you, I don't like uh, these braces. I will take a tape. Or will say, "Oh, quite satisfied with that kind of uh, brace, so I'll, I'll stick with that."
1: Yeah, so it's it's still a cultural based and based on the sports involved uh, choice. If you
0: that's what I feel. I I don't know what is, what is your experience with that? Uh,
1: a football player will never wear a brace in the yeah. in the Netherlands, and I think in uh, in Europe, yeah. they always yeah. use for taping. When we focus a little bit more on the treatment of ankle injuries, yeah. Yeah. Uh, functional treatment is proposed for the majority of the uh, athletes. Yeah. But on recent congresses, there was a lot of debate about the prognosis and even initial treatment if the synosmotic ligaments are involved without widening of the ankle mortis. What's your experience with it? Should we treat them different or can we give them the same treatment as a lateral ankle injury and propose functional treatment?
0: if you put it exactly like you question me, then uh, we'll have 30% of all lateral ankle ligament injuries that will have some kind of injury to the syndesmotic ligament as well, at least pain in that region and and, uh, uh, some kind of distortion, maybe grade one or or two lesion of the ligament as well. And without uh, widening, without a positive clinical uh, test of of a full rupture, uh, would treat it exactly the same, bearing in mind that it will take two to three weeks longer to fully recover. That would be short answer, but I think that will be it. And there's no evidence out there. It's all level four. I think our colleague from the Beekholm did a great job on uh, doing uh, numerous reviews on uh, acute synosmotic ligament injuries. But I think it's what it basically comes down to. If you have a syndesmotic ligament rupture that is uh, a grade 3 with whitening and you do not have a fracture going along with that and you do have your diagnosis within the first seven days, then I think that would be a definite yes for operative treatment.
1: What's also interesting in your paper is that, and I'll cite you now, uh, you mentioned that it's recommended that in top professional players it should be conv- considered on an individual basis regarding surgical or conservative treatment and we all know that in professional football there are examples of surgery performed within five or ten days after the initial trauma is that also the advice by your consensus group
0: it is um, we were a broad consensus group so this was discussed very intensively we came out with a statement functional treatment is preferred over surgical therapy. But based on our consensus of the committee, it's recommended that in top professional sports, also football, surgical treatment can be considered on an individual basis. So this is based on a a number of things, and I think we discussed that well in in our our editorial together. The research on the surgical treatment of acute lateral ankle ligament injuries is Really based on research that was done in the 70s and 80s of the last century, and uh, after treatment of these operative treatment sessions were all six to eight weeks in the cast, sometimes even non-weight bearing, so return to sports is much longer. Also, these series of patients were all treated by a number of surgeons, mostly residents uh, in training, so there are quite some arguments there to assume that nowadays, if you would have an operative treatment by an expert surgeon with a functional after-treatment, you would have a much better result. So then you have your chance of a better result, better objective stability, less giving way, uh, faster return to sports, uh, less uh, chance for uh, residual complaints, uh, less swelling and less pain with the surgical treatment. So then uh, comes into picture that for the high level uh, athlete, it is a good option to have an operative treatment. The thing is that we, we know of the cases that sometimes after grade two or three, a player gets on the field within two weeks. And that's something that's not possible uh, after an operative treatment, because you always have the phase that the wound has to heal, in the first phase, and the second phase, the wound healing, and then you have your rehab. So. It kind of goes fast because you can imagine that the ligament is put back safely into uh, the bony space where it belongs and has its uh, anatomic uh, function again, but it does need some time to heal there. And for the player who does have to be on the field in two or three weeks because the Olympics starts, then operative treatment would not be an option. So I think to look at it individually is also important to have a look at uh, the time of the season, and to ask the player what he wants. Uh, I think we discussed earlier that with the uh, residual uh, injuries to the lateral ankle in, in, uh, uh, ligament complex, you do have the chance of more cartilage injury, early uh, osteoarthritis and dysfunction of your ankle. So I think uh, it's quite an interesting discussion but um, could well be that we op- will operate some more in the coming years.
1: And you just also mentioned that most papers are based on uh, surgical after-treatment with six weeks of casting. And what do you advise now for an optimal after-treatment, after-surgical repair and top-level athletes? Are you still casting for six
0: weeks? No, no. Uh, I think uh, at least we, we're not. I don't think uh, a lot of people will uh, do this. I suppose it depends a little on the collateral damage in the ankle joint, but standard would be a splint for two days, then uh, take the ankle out of the splint, allow the first phase of wound healing, and then a short functional phase of maybe an hour to allow range of motion exercises for the ankle joints for at least uh, 30 minutes to an hour. And then uh, I think we'll apply a circular cast again for two weeks. So then the sutures come out and the range of motion exercises are uh, practiced again, and we start weight-bearing in a walker for another three to four weeks, and walking in water, maybe if you have uh, access to a G-Trainer, start a G-Trainer, uh, 10 ki- a kilogram, and then 20, 30, etc. Use a tense device, start your uh, courseability exercises. So I think it's much faster than just uh, six weeks in the cast and uh, uh, sitting in a chair That what was happening back in the 70s. Yeah. And once you
1: did your job, you operated on the top level athletes, and you- uh, athlete return to play after surgical repair. It's still a challenge to prevent them from a re-injury. Yeah. And what can you say about the prevention after surgical repair? Where should we focus on?
0: There's a, uh, a lot of good research out there. I think from the free university uh, here in the Netherlands, uh, the movement scientists around uh, a group around Evert Verhagen. They published a lot on this. Done a pile of work in this field. Excellent work. Focused a lot on exercise therapy, uh, exercise, proprioception and balance therapy, home-based balance uh, training. There's a little diversity in the, in the outcome because there are a number of uh, RCTs, level 2 evidence, that say that exercise treatment does not have uh, that positive effect on prevention of first brains in normal athletes. However, evidence from the same group, later evidence, also level 2, suggests that training coordination and balance does prevent recurrence of ankle injuries in athletes up to 12 months post-injury. So for primary prevention of, of prevention of first brains, it's not really proven yet that balanced training does the job. Another thing that uh, has been looked at in the, in the guideline is the use of preventive footwear, we could, however, not, not make recommendations about uh, the type of shoes to prevent recurrence of the ankle ligament injury, or even to prevent it front first sprains. There are some uh, systematic reviews out there, but they found no differences in protective effect. The last thing then is, is the tape or brace again to prevent uh, uh, the recurrence sprains. I think uh, it's unclear uh, still whether a brace is more effective than the tape, so we could leave this discussion there for now. And then it's recommended to use a brace or a tape to prevent the relapse. And the use of this external support is a personal choice. However, it's recommended, has some evidence that it will help you prevent your re-injury within 12 months after the injury. And it's recommended to phase out the use of the brace or tape in time and to carry on with a home-based exercise program. So these are the... The, you know, the most obvious things to do uh, for prevention, I suppose.
1: Gino, uh, you showed us already a lot A lot of research has been done in the field of acute ankle injuries. Do you expect any change in the upcoming five or ten years concerning the diagnosis and treatment of acute ankle injuries? And what are the major topics that should be studied?
0: I think on diagnosis, uh, we did cover that discussion a little bit, because I think it will be on the use of ultrasound and MRI and getting a good sensitivity and specificity with the use of ultrasound and MRI. We are currently doing research using the ultrasound also to early diagnose small fractures in the cartilage uh, without osteochondral defects and with osteocondal defects. So then ultrasound would also cover uh, part of the field of the concomitant damage and the inter- articular pathology that can go along with the lateral ankle ligament injury. So that would have uh, an advantage over the ultrasound as it's been used now, and it will be more accessible for everybody, I suppose. I think the role of MRI is the, just a matter of, of, of some years, and it this, this will be very interesting in the, in the next uh, five years. Uh, to see where the MRI takes us with a higher uh, Tesla level and with uh, the other uh, MRI possibilities to uh, more clearly visualize uh, muscle and ligament fibers. We'll always stick with a good trauma mechanism and with a good physical exam and then the MRI to to cover for the 100% secure diagnosis, I think.
1: I'm fairly happy that we still can guarantee optimal treatment when we focus on a good history taking a physical exam. And MRI has to be proven to be effective and uh, the level of evidence for MRI has to be increased, I think, the upcoming years because we are spending millions of euros on MRI. So Gino, in the field of sports medicine, uh, PFP is probably the most popular treatment uh, despite there is almost no evidence for uses of it. I can imagine that PFP also will be applied in acute anchorage injuries. Are the studies going on and what's your opinion to use it or to withdraw from it?
0: Thanks, very interesting question, especially coming from you as uh, one of the great researchers in this field. I think I'll I'll just mention a discussion we had at the LTA conference back in London in uh, June of 2012. PRP was PRP, as we discussed as well. We have so many different kinds of PRP, so we should first know what we want to inject at what phase, but I do know that it is possible to have some good research done there. For example, I could imagine a, a, a trial in athletes injected with a form of PRP, you compare it with the functional treatment against the functional treatment only and see if it uh, shows any difference for any outcome. We don't inject PRP here at the moment for the lateral ankle ligament injuries. I don't know. What what is your idea on that? Uh,
1: I never have injected in an acute situation for an acute ankle injury. But when you look in the field of sports medicine, uh, of course we can wait for the next trial, and uh, the next trial might be an acute ankle ligament injury.
0: That's it. It's a good thing. <laughs>
1: Gino, thanks for your contribution to this
0: BGZ podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.